Good morning, and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It's a joy to see all of you gathered here today and uh, gathered to worship God. If you would take a moment and register your attendance on the pew pad at the end of your pew, I place that in the offering plate later in the service, or if you are joining us online, if you would take a moment to register your attendance, we would appreciate that. I hope as you came in today, you picked up a weekly calendar sheet where you could hear about all things First United Methodists that are happening at the church. This week, this Wednesday, Valentine's Day, is Ash Wednesday. And here from 11.30 to 12.30 in the sanctuary, there will be imposition of ashes. And then at 6 p.m., there will be an Ash Wednesday service that you're invited to attend. Also, I want to say a word of thank you to all of you who gave to our students for Valentine's Day, the children and the youth. They received many Valentines and gifts. Thank you for showing God's extravagant love to them. Now let us prepare ourselves for worship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to rest in your love to be renewed in faith, and to worship you. Help us to be fully aware of your holy presence and draw us closer to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Let us remain standing as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. our time of worshiping God with our morning offering. I give thanks for all of you who support the mission and ministry of First United Methodist Church, whether that be donations in the plate, giving online, or through Venmo, or through recurring gifts. Thank you for your support. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, from you comes all good and perfect gifts, and we thank you for the blessings of our lives. Out of those abundant blessings, we give back to you, praying that the gifts we give would honor you and that you would guide us in their use and multiply them so that many might know the love and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will receive our morning offering.
may be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed by your amazing love. Love which welcomes us and transforms us, which shakes us up and calls us to be more like you. God, we're grateful for that love in times when we doubt and struggle, when we have pain, when we sin and, and turn away. Your love remains steadfast. God, we ask that you pour out that transformational love upon us and that you help us on our journey of faith. Bless us to be a blessing to others so that your grace might be upon this world, upon the needs that we see in our lives every day. Continue to enrich us as a congregation, being your light to this community, our nation, and our world. This we pray as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church with Miss Catherine. Our hymn of preparation is number 394, Something Beautiful as we say
are very unique. The altar lily windows in the choir loft. These are different because they are plural. We have two windows to look at today. They are the smallest of any of the stained glass windows in the church. These windows were all, are also different because they were not given in memory of anyone. Actually, these windows were gifts from the artist Joseph Lorenz to the church. Also, these windows are unique because they do not face an area where you can see the backside of the windows easily. In fact, if you want to see the back of the windows, you have to go up to the second floor to the former Trailblazers class and look out the window or you can go to the very back of the parking lot next to the Baptist Church parking lot and gaze far into the distance, and then you will see the windows. Well, and while I don't have a background story about a memorial to share with you about the windows, I do have a legend. 
Now, when most of you look at these windows, you see at the top two beautiful blossoms of the Easter lily about to open. And while that may be what you see, others claim that those are not blossoms as one would suppose. But actually, the artist put in bunny ears of a bunny rabbit that's hiding among the greenery waiting for Easter to come. As with any piece of art, it's subject to interpretation. So I'll leave that with you to decide. Speaking of interpretation, the scripture reading, which is in the archives that went along with these windows, listed a scripture from Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. With that scripture as background, I decided a good place to go with these windows would be the names of Jesus. So where did I start? I googled lily of the valley. And what I learned by googling lily of the valley is these are not lilies of the valley. They look nothing like these lilies. In fact, that's Easter lilies, which are native to Taiwan and some islands of Japan and not the Middle East. So the other scripture associated with these windows is from Matthew 6, 28, the Sermon on the Mount, which says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. I knew that I would be focusing on Sermon on the Mount in two weeks when we get to the Sermon on the Mount window, so I decided to not go down that path. So where did it lead me? The scripture reading for today, while it may not have been one of the suggested scripture readings from the history or archives, I believe it connects with the spirit of these windows. For as we gaze upon the beauty of the Easter lily, we're reminded of new life, of spring, of being made new. And that is a connection that we can make with our spiritual lives every day. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 through 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 19. Hear the good news. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore all have died and he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on therefore we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them or entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look upon these windows and look to your word, I pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a love-hate relationship with lilies. I love lilies. In fact, my favorite flower would be the lilies, the orange lilies that grow wild along the roadsides in August. But as I have aged, unfortunately, I have grown allergic to lilies. So come Easter morning, you will find me at First United Methodist Church with allergy medicine, ibuprofen, and cough drops ready to be assaulted by their scent. But to prove to you that I do love a lily, all, every since I began my ministry, every year after Easter, for any Easter lily that has been left behind, I will take it and plant it in my yard. And I have done this realizing 
that I may not be around the next spring to see the Easter lily blossom. After all, I'm a United Methodist preacher. It's a year-to-year thing. But I know, I know that someone will be around to see that Easter lily blossom. So it's my gift to them. So they might experience the beauty and new life that comes in spring. And that's really the heart of the message of the Easter lily for our lives. The beauty and new life that has been made new again and again. This is the symbolism and beauty of the lily. Lilia longflorum, it is truly known, is a native of Taiwan and specific islands of Japan. Throughout the years, it has become associated with resurrection and Easter. Many have connected this flower with the teaching which I referenced earlier. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow and toil not, neither do they spin. Legend has sprung up around use of lilies in the church saying that as Jesus, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and sweated drops of blood, that after his death, lilies sprang up from where the blood settled. Now, I believe that is legend and uh, used to connect the lilies with church. Whatever the case, lilies have become a part of our worship and a staple in our homes around Easter, especially since they were first cultivated as a commercial crop in Bermuda in the 1800s. I believe the power and symbolism of the lily are expressed in the scripture reading that we heard this morning. Just as a lily blooms to herald new life in the arrival of spring, so we blossom in Christ in new life. Did you hear the good news? If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. As lilies bloom, they reflect new creation and new life in Christ. This is more than new life at Easter and spring, but it is new life which can happen in our lives every day in Jesus. Be patient, gardeners, as I remind all of us non-gardener types the life cycle of the lily. So a, a germinated seed falls to the ground, it creates a taproot and a sprout, and it starts to grow. And as the foliage grows, if there's extra energy, it stores that energy in a bulb. So what we see above ground dies and fall in the winter. It decays, it rots away, it's dead. And the bulb is underneath the ground in darkness and cold. But when spring comes, that bulb comes to life. It sprouts anew and something beautiful blooms. It is new life and a new season something totally new comes. What emerges is a beautiful lily. And with the emergence of perennial flowers, we know that a new life and new season is at hand. We watched the flower die in the fall when the days were becoming colder and shorter. We noticed the dried up decay of the winter. Yet when the earth warmed, new life came new growth emerged, eventually arriving at the point of a bloom. The beauty of the flower means new life and a replacement for the old decay that we witnessed in cold and darkness. If we didn't know the life cycle of the lily, we would think that the decay and death were the end of the story. But that is not the end of the story. Something more beautiful is yet to come. The scripture reading for today speaks to new life. It is from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. And he's talking about his own ministry. God has given him the ministry of reconciliation, which means the ministry to share the good news that people's relationships with Jesus, with God, can be restored through Jesus. Not only that, but God doesn't count the trespasses of the past, but God sees us in a new life, in a new way. 
The old has gone. We are freed for a new way of life. We are only seen through new life and not defined by the lens of past sin. Christ brings us to himself, not counting previous sins. Paul has a message to share, one in which Jesus entrusted him to share that we can know forgiveness and grace in Jesus. And we can relate this to the Easter lily in two ways. First of all, we have to remember that something totally new emerges from the death and the bulb. And that new looks nothing like the decay of winter. What emerges is beautiful and lovely, something so beautiful and different than it was before. They don't even look like the same plant. They're not the same plant. It is something new. To God, we're not defined by the past, what was, but we're defined by who we are in Jesus Christ. The goodness that occurs in our lives through Jesus is so good that it eclipses the bad. Our new life is like the beauty of the plant which springs forward in a new season. And we can also relate to the message of the Easter lily when we realize that this new life comes again and again. It's a totally new plant, spring after spring. The cycle progresses and there's regrowth. The plant doesn't stop growing. The bulb doesn't stop storing energy. It doesn't stop being made new. And so it is with our life of faith. We don't stop. We haven't reached where we need to be, but Christ continues to invite us for more. We can be made new every minute, every day, every week, every year. Christ invites us to grow in his grace and find newness in his love. That is a beautiful gift for all of us and an ongoing process. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. This is life in the love of Christ. The cycle of being made new was once a cycle stuck in sin. You know this if you've read the Old Testament. Look at the story of the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt and God made a way for them through the Exodus to escape their slavery, to go to something new, the promised land. And so they went and God gave Moses the law so the people would have order and could be in right relationship with God so they could be reconciled to God through the law. But what happened? If you read in Exodus, you know that it didn't take long. Moses just was receiving the law. He, even, he hadn't even come down from the mountain. And they were making a golden calf. They were disobedient to God and turned away from him. Well, God was merciful and forgave them. And what happened? They turned their back on God. And they wanted to go back to Egypt. What happened? God was merciful and forgave them. And then they were disobedient. And we see this cycle again and again and again. In the judges, in the kings, in the prophets, and even into exile. But God made a way for his people just as he made a way in Exodus. To end this cycle. To bring true reconciliation. A cycle that continued was broken by the love of God in Jesus Christ. And this is the good news of the scripture for today. Sin is still real. And repentance and the realization of our need for God is still a part of our ongoing relationship with God. And the good news is God still offers forgiveness and mercy. When we are in Jesus, though, we are a new creation. We are not living defined and weighed down by the periods of decay but we are new creations in Jesus. We are not defined by our ability to keep the law, but rather we're defined by new life in Christ. In Christ, the cycle is behind us because we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. While we might need forgiveness and go astray and mess up, God sees us through the love of God in Jesus Christ. As we heard in the scripture reading for today, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God, 
who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The problem is that cycle of sin breaks our relationship with God. But God has restored the relationship by being among us and with us and for us in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, as Paul writes in Romans 8, there is no separation because there is nothing, nothing that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. We are reconciled. We are loved. We can know grace in Jesus. And in doing so, to God, I believe we're as beautiful as those blossoms which are portrayed in the window. But not only us, I believe others are as well. And this is an important message for us to remember too. I just referenced some of Paul's writings from Romans 8. And that chapter begins with these words. There is no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. We are seen through the lens of new life, and so are our brothers and sisters too. This reminds us that while we are new creations, so are others. We should put away the past in our lives, and we should put away the past for others and see them as beloved children of God that they are. Just as we have a new beginning in Christ, so do others. We are all on a journey to being made new, and that being made new means we have less judgment and more Jesus, more love and more grace. In fact, that's a, a breath prayer that I say to myself often. Less judgment, more Jesus. Less judgment, more Jesus. In this prayer, I recognize that we are all being made new in Christ. This is not only our story, but the story for all who follow Jesus we can recognize that we are on a journey together. So you look at these windows and you see beautiful Easter lilies, altar lilies. You experience the new life and newness of a blossom, a new plant blooming and being made new. You see this plant when it's at its most glorious. Lorenz put in these windows, the plants, when they are at full blossom, not the plant of the fall, when it is dying, or the plant of winter when it is dead and decay. You don't see in it the bulb that is buried beneath the ground in the dark and cold. I believe that when Jesus looks at us, he looks at us like these flowers in the window. He sees us much in the same light. As new creations in Jesus, the death and decay are behind us. Jesus knows us through the beauty of who we are becoming in him. He wants us to be made beautiful through him. So are you ready for a new life? Are you ready for transformation? Are you ready to be made beautiful in you? Because Jesus is ready for you. And in case you're wondering, I do believe those are bunny ears, the bunny hiding in our window. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are a new creation in you. And we thank you for your grace that blesses us and calls us to be more like Jesus. Thank you for your love. Help us share that love with others as we're on a journey of being more like Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.
you have a prayer need in your life or would like to unite with First United Methodist Church, either by profession of faith and baptism or transfer of membership, I'll be available after the service to speak with you. Also know that you're invited back next week as we look at the next window in our series. It's the largest window, it's the newest window, and one that you have to climb a flight of stairs or take an elevator to see. It is the journey, or otherwise known as the gym window. I hope you join us next week or Thursday night as we learn more. And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Amen. Lord.